Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York. And Boca Raton, Florida. It's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. Yeah, let's talk freight. Episode 131. Coming at you here in uh, March 2022. Um, We got a cool, a little bit different episode today. So... You know, normally we do a single topic and then some Q and A. Um, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna talk Ukraine for a bit in the beginning, and then we're gonna talk we're gonna revisit last week's episode on dispatching uh, checklist, and we got some good feedback from someone that listens. Um, and then there's been a, a fairly continual, uh, or I've seen a lot of repetition and questions on factoring that I just wanted to break down with all you guys, uh, just so you have a little bit of knowledge on it. But um, Ben, if you can't see him, he's wearing a Ukraine shirt today, man. How, uh, how's everything going? It's crazy, man. I mean, it's simultaneously the worst things that I've ever seen in my life and the best examples of just humanity and people just supporting and just bringing people together in a way that I've also never seen. I mean, it like almost even gets me choked up just like talking about it, but it's, it is fantastic to see and all of the negativity and all the news and everyone's seeing, you know, the destruction and what's happening there. But to see the people that are literally helping and bonding together to help the women and help the children there. And I mean, even people in our own industry, I mean, there was an article in Freight Waves that we're gonna have in the show notes that they raised over $300,000 trucking and logistics pressure professionals within the first 72 hours. So this was like March 1st, right? And then since then, there's another fund that has opened trucking and logistics professionals for Ukraine. And I think they had raised upwards, I don't even know what the the total number was at that time, but I mean, it was pretty significant. It was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know those funds were at least being distributed directly to Save the Children, UNICEF, and I'm not really that familiar with ICRC, but I mean, just the fact that everybody's getting together, getting behind this, trying to help people that have just been displaced. I mean, literally millions of people at this point in time. Yeah, I think it was like 2 million the last I saw it reported, but that's what, I mean, you think about it. If if you were displaced from your home and you don't have access to the normal things that you would have, and you're not going to work and making a paycheck every day, this is this is where that benefits people directly, right? Having access to the things that that um, they need. What I saw was interesting too. Is you know we talked about the Landstar agency that was basically they had to cease operations. I saw another one today on reported on Freightwaves. There's a um, it's like a hundred something million dollar brokerage. I think it's in Illinois, and they have an operation of like 150 people maybe in. Uh, it was in. Kiev, and they moved them mm-hmm. out west in western Ukraine towards like towards like the Polish border, and some of them did go into Poland. Yeah, and they got them all working remotely, and they're they're still up and running. And that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, to to you know, it's it's sad to see people get displaced like that, but it shows the um, you know the way that folks can bounce back and still be able to do their job and earn a living and. Um, 
It's wild, man. It's- Absolutely. I mean, my my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, literally even today, same thing. Like that one of them works in a factory and like they were going to work and then the sirens are going off and they're going to the bomb shelters and they're mixing in their days with um, war efforts. So they're making camouflage nets for the military and the terror defense. And then half of the time they're trying to do things to just keep society moving and, you know, whatever ways they can. One of, the, one of the coolest things, and we're gonna have links to this if anybody does wanna contribute, but um, true to form and what we do here on the show was, you know, my wife spoke to a lot of her friends. She grew up in Odessa, and then, you know, our sister and brother-in-law are in West Ukraine now. But just to your point, people being displaced, not able to get medicine. And the biggest thing is the men that are staying, right, or even being required to stay and don't wanna leave regardless, it's displacing a lot of women and children. So, you know, what my wife and I did over the weekend or since this has started is just been reaching out and connecting with people she knows that are still there, don't wanna leave or helping with the effort, and then just working our way and creating a supply chain. I mean, nothing huge, but in a way, just getting lists in these cities around, most of them in the West, some in Odessa, and then we asked questions like, hey, where are you guys getting it? How's it getting into the country? They connected us with some of the people driving the things across. You know, we worked our way all the way up to where, you know, we met, they're actually two um, former Polish police officers, and this is literally all they're doing. They are driving in every night, they're bringing out children by the carload, and then they're taking lists that we're providing them that we get from other places in Ukraine, and then we're f- wiring the funds directly, and then they're literally getting directly to the people that they need. So, you know, today, even this morning, it was really awesome because I was able to wire some more funds on Monday. They got them directly. And at the same time, they had 90 more children just into this small town, this little area of Poland. Well, to your point, if you left your house, imagine if you're a kid or you're just a new mother, right? They don't have shoes. They don't have medicine. They didn't have toothbrushes. They didn't have sleeping bags. They didn't have activities and things to do. So, I mean, just even the little bit that we were able to help and you know the few thousands of dollars that we were able to get over there so far just made a tremendous difference i mean to the on the polish side where they're going to and just getting people some of the basic needs to help ease the burden or whatever you can because no matter what you do it's not going to be enough but even a dollar helps and every little bit of contribution does genuinely impact them and just the amount of appreciation and just feedback that we're getting like it really helps, honestly, us dealing with having to see the negative side of the news on a daily basis, right? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. There's this there's a big impact. Um, some of the things too, and this is being widely reported on, you know, whether it's transport topics, freight waves, a lot of the the um, professional journals out there and folks that report on the logistics industry is, you know, the impact on on freight. Obviously, there, there's the impact overseas, right? You've got uh, the Ukrainian supply chain, you've got drivers that are not in their truck anymore because they're taking up arms to defend their country, right? Um, you've got folks that are working in Ukraine supporting U.S. operations and freight that are displaced and you, know, they, you lose some sort of ability to do stuff. Now, when you look at the impact on the U.S., and we'll, we'll get back to the, um, the GoFundMe and the, the campaign that you guys are setting yeah. up, um, and we'll definitely get a link in the show notes for it, but some of the things that folk, people have asked is, well, how is this going to affect the, the U.S. supply chain? And there's there's little things, right? Like obviously, the cost of fuel, right? And what's what's wild is we used to think like the cost of fuel was one of the main driving factors in fluctuation of prices 
if you go back like three years, right? Outside of, mm-hmm. you know, seasonal capacity and stuff like that. Well, now it's like, you know, it's been demand and capacity and now you add another layer to it. And now it's like, well, now, now fuel has gone up. And I think it was like 70 cents in the last like 10 days or something, right? And when, you know, when that hits a trucking company, their costs go up and that's going to come down to um, us as consumers, but it's gonna be reflected in, in the cost per mile on average to, to ship, ship something in a certain lane that you've been running. So expe- I would imagine expect prices to go up and they're gonna remain that way probably f- for the majority of the rest of 2022 from what the, you know, the economists are saying. And then in addition to that, I did say I did see one of the like hunt the good stuff type things was um, when that affects the consumer with the cost of gas to put in their car, they're going to prioritize some of the spending that they do. So if consumption kind of gets back to a normal level and people aren't just buy, 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 buy. It helps inflation. Yeah, they're saying it, it could ease some of that congestion that we're seeing between the ports and just capacity in general. Um, who knows? You know, we don't have a perfect answer for it, but those are some of the the macro level things that we've seen here. Um, have you heard anything on that on that side of the house? I have, but it makes it makes a lot of economic sense. And again, economics is the explanation of why they're not necessarily ever good at telling you what's going to happen. But I mean, the correlation historically has always been that because most of the gas spend, apart from like the summer months or, you know, the holiday weekends is necessary. It's, you know, going to get groceries, going to your job, commuting to places you have to go. And I think even with the pandemic, we've shifted and been able to get back as much of that as we were ever going to. You know, a lot of people are working a little bit from home, but still, that's a big line item in your budget. And if that has to go out, you're a little less likely to buy some of the other consumer goods that are driving up inflation. Yep. Uh, 4.40 a gallon is what I saw yesterday here in Buffalo. So. It's it blew my mind because I hadn't filled my tank up in like I don't know a week or so because I don't drive a whole lot because I work from home, but I was like four forty. Did I see that correctly? But it's insane, man. I paid that. I paid that like before this happened. Ah, you live in Central or South Florida, <laughs> so yeah, everything's expensive down there. Um, I am curious what they are right now, though. And I want to I want to hit back to the four nineteen four twenty five. Okay, all right. Yeah. So we're we're not so far off. Um, back to the kind of the the campaign that you spearheaded here. Uh, we'll definitely get a link in the show notes. Do you have anything more you want to hit on that? It, but I guess at the end of the day, is you know we've got a a wide reach of community, and we we've done a lot. Like people have reached out to us, um, you know, asking for hey, can you use your your reach to do this and that? And um, this is our uh, I don't want to say you know pay it back type thing, but we we want to use our reach. In a and for a positive, um, in a positive way, right? And if if exactly. anyone wants to participate in this, like you said, Ben, a dollar can make a difference. Um, and yeah, every and little bit, and it's and it's going direct. And that's the thing, right? Yes. So when we went back through too, like we went and worked with our accountants and looked at establishing 501c3s and this, and like there's so many admin costs. When we looked at it, we're like, okay, like what is the goal really, the objective? And that's literally what worked backwards with the accountant. And it was like, how do we get all of the funds directly to the people that need them, right? And when you can eliminate all of that and, you know, we're willing to volunteer our time, like we're able to literally take every single dollar, it's going to a list to buy 
whether toothpaste, a, a pair of socks, a sleeping bag, not a dollar's getting wasted. And the, and the people on the ground that are volunteering, like we've literally tried to pay them, tried to put gas in their car to help and they refuse to. They're like, look, this is the benefit. This is, we wanna do this. This is our fight. Like, Yeah, because you think about a lot of the fundraisers that have been out in the past or just um, nonprofits and you look at out of a dollar, how many cents actually go to the main cause. I remember seeing like some stuff with like the wounded warriors and some of the veteran organizations and they're like, yeah, it's like 10 or 15 cents a dollar actually goes to the the main cause and the rest is like administrative costs and salaries and all that. And I'm like, dude, that's insane. So yeah, this is good. This is good stuff. So yeah, we'll be putting more out there. There'll also be links to it. Yeah, once we get the Facebook, we'll have a Facebook page up there where we can start to show some of the things and get some of the more of the stories on the ground. And again, the good news and some of the things that are good takeaways we're trying to focus on. And it's just, you know, if you've wanted a way to help, that's a great link, you know, and if you wanted to look through other traditional routes, like we said, we'll also have links up to the um, trucking and logistics professionals for Ukraine. So lots of ways to help that are out there if you're sitting back and you want to, or even just support our show. Instead of sending it to us, send it there so that we can go and help a couple more people. Yep, definitely. Um, So let's talk about some of the cool things that are coming up here. First of all, we're we're obviously, we've done a lot of work with Lean Solutions Group in the past, and um, we're gonna have a a really, really good year coming up. If you've seen, obviously we we mentioned, um, you know, we're, Lean is a sponsor of ours. They're a partner of ours. Um, they're a big driving force behind the the digital content design and marketing. Um, and you know, as always, if you're looking to to add seats to your business, go to leangroup.com and learn more. They, you know, whether it's marketing, the tech side, account executives, back office, dispatchers, whatever, check them out. They've got a really good nearshore model. Um, if you look, it should be in the next couple of weeks. You'll see kind of a, a new. We're not rebranding or changing our logo, but we're gonna have a cool little like seasonal um, change to the way that our stuff looks and the way our content is presented to, to give a fresh flair. Um, and we're gonna do a lot more of the, you know, that, that staffing focused content because we've had a lot of people ask questions about, I've gotten to this point, what do I do next? How do I grow? There's a labor shortage, I can't, you know, I don't know how to interview people, I don't know what positions to fill first. So we've got a lot of really good content designed around that coming up this year. And it's because you guys are asking for and you guys are bringing us the questions. So stay tuned um, for that with Lean. And then next week on Wednesday, right? Is it Wednesday or is it Thursday? Wednesday the 16th, right? Uh, The Freight Waves Virtual 3PL Summit. And you can uh, go to the link, we'll put it in the show notes, or if you get our newsletter, we sent it out yesterday, Tuesday, a couple days ago, if you're listening on Friday or over the weekend, but um, Anne from the TIA, right? She used to work, right? She used to work in DC under the the Department of Transportation. Um, She's the keynote, right? She's kind of the lead there. Ben, you're gonna be presenting on there with a bunch of other really, really smart people. I'm gonna be traveling, so I won't be able to to participate, Um, but definitely register, sign up, and um, take advantage of that that content that's coming out. Do Do you have any insight into some of the discussions that'll be happening there? I don't. They have a fantastic agenda. Um, I just kind of went verbally with it. I know uh, we pre-recorded some of it, so I got a chance to meet some of the other people, even just in the green room and talking about it. It's going to be a really good conference. And I mean, anybody looking out there to grow and learn more and get tied into what's happening, they always have really great like 
actionable stuff that they're going to be talking about in the industry, yeah. not just necessarily all of the random macro principles and what's happening. I'm like, it's, so here's my thing, especially if you're a business owner in this industry, being in tune with the organizations like FreightWaves who delivers great news and the TIA who's our biggest proponent at the national level. You should have, a, you should have a, a grip and a pulse on what's going on at that big macro level in logistics and in the supply chain. So definitely, uh, definitely check that out. Um, quick little sports update before we get into the rest of the topics here today. All I've got is the the MLB. Oh wait, I got two things. MLB lockout still happening, so I'm not watching any kind of um, preseason spring training baseball right now. And who knows how much of the regular season is going to get canceled. And then number two. Russell Wilson, man, blockbuster trade. He got moved out of Seattle. This was earlier this week and going to Denver. So really? the Broncos will be having um, NFC 10-year quarterback legend Russell Wilson, Sierra's husband. I think that's who his wife is. But, yeah, man, he's moving from Seattle to Denver. So crazy stuff. Did you watch the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational last weekend? I didn't, and I usually do. It's one of my favorite events to watch, and I didn't get a chance to Dude, watch it. Dude, it came down to the wire on Sunday. That there was like, until like the seventeenth and eighteenth holes, there was like five, four or five guys that were neck and neck, and I can't remember the one guy. I think it was Victor something that he had like a two-stroke lead, and then he just Victor Hovel. I think that might have been who it is. Um, he and then he had a couple bogeys at right the now. end. And he just he couldn't came down to a putt at the end that he did not make to, to force an overtime hole or a, a tiebreaker hole but um i forget who the actual winner was oh he's got him fall it's always a good tournament yeah oh yeah victor hovland victor hovland finished uh four under and scheffler five under yep. billy horschel oh gary woodland was up in the ranks too yeah gary woodland love watching him hovland play. though was uh he was leading like for on the last day it had to be like three quarters of the day and it came down to like the last few holes and he had to make. He had to drain a long putt um, to tie it up, but couldn't couldn't seal the deal. And is it Scheffler, the guy that won? He drained like a sixty footer a couple holes before to get a birdie and get himself uh, in the lead. So and Hovland's only like well, they're both pretty young. I mean, Scotty Scheffler is only twenty five. Um, Victor Hovland's only twenty four. Yeah, I was telling like an interview with Tiger, and everyone's like, "When are you going to be playing again?" And he's like, kind of frustrated, like, "That's what I want to know too." He's like, I don't know what it's going to look like or when it's going to happen. He's like, but I want the same answer as you do. So that's your sports update. Let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT, and then we're going to get into the rest of the content here. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, and you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. And I know we don't have a, a free month of it, but RateView, I'm a huge proponent of. I use it every single day. And I love the new stuff they're they're putting out with RateView with the um, like predictive rates and stuff like that. I know we were kind of playing around, playing around with it recently. Um, so definitely check their stuff out. All right. So last episode we talked about our, you know, the dispatching checklist, and we we went through a handful of items that apply to to a lot of brokers, and these are things that you should do, uh, like things you should talk about with your with your carriers and the dispatchers 
um, when that load is going to be picked up and, and all that good stuff to make sure we're not missing anything. We talked about having the right equipment and the right PPE and straps and tarps and um, you know appointment times and you know all that stuff. So one of our listeners, Timo Rodriguez, shout out to you, Timo. I've known you for a handful of years. He uh, wrote us a nice uh, message about some additional things that he thought were good to share. So I wanted to hit on those, and we didn't we didn't uh, hit on these. So it's really really awesome that that um, he pointed these out because we want to share them with you guys. So insurance requirements and coverage, I it totally skipped my mind. Think about things like trailer interchange or. Um, mm-hmm. You know, exclusions for like reefer breakdown or exclusions on certain commodities like seafood or certain produce items. You need to make sure that your carrier's cargo coverage or any additional policies that they have them and that you get proof of them right before you dispatch that load. I've seen it personally where a carrier did not have or or, um, had an exclusion on a certain commodity and we re- luckily we re- we realized it without a claim happening but that's a really really bad practice to get into where you're moving a load of or multiple loads repetitively of a certain commodity and th- you're not even your customer's not covered right the truck doesn't have the coverage at all yeah and that could be really really bad so reefer breakdown's a big one. I just always remember like that was always in and I haven't moved reefers for a long time, but like it was always in my checklist. Like yep. just confirming and making sure and honestly like I would even go to their insurance cert cuz we usually had them anyway and could quickly look at it and I would literally go and look for it. Yeah, that stuff will be listed. Um but here's I want speaking of the insurance certificate, right? That Accord 25 form or that COI. A lot of times you're not going to see everything that's that's in that policy, right? You'll see the dates, the underwriter, um, the deductible the policy on there, the coverage limits. Um, you might see reefer breakdown, but you won't. It won't always say like what the exclusions are. So that's when, if you mm-hmm. have a certain commodity like that, like so, seafood's a big one, like lobster. Um, you know, lots of exclusions in yeah, seafood. Crab, right? Like. They're not going to list all, everything on their on their certificate, so you need to verify that stuff. And your your customer typically they know what they need they coverage know. on, and they're going to tell you what it is. And you just need to that's something that you definitely need to do, and you need to get eyes on that paperwork. So that's a good one. Um, GPS tracking was another one, and this is an expectation, right? So whether it is uh, like I've seen I've seen customers that have their own macro point things where um, they want the driver to have it under their account and broker gets updates, customer gets updates, whatever. But if that's the expectation from your customer, the carrier it needs to be made very clear to them that this load and this rate is contingent upon them accepting the usage of tracking, right? Because um, the last thing you want is getting in a, you know, a, a verbal battle with a, a driver or a carrier because you didn't tell them that they had to be tracked and then you sent them a, a tracking link and they're not going to accept it. And then, you know, there's some animosity and they're like, well, do you not trust me? What's going on here? And it's like, well, no, this is a customer requirement. Well, you never told me that. So you need to have these expectations up front. And then in addition to that, if your customer has any kind of uh, fees, fines, rate deductions, whatever that are that pertain to certain expectations, whether it's tracking or the pickup time or an appointment window or you know whatever the case might be, those need to be clearly stated 
to the driver and documented on the rate confirmation. So there's no question if something comes up, you know, hey, detention pays this much, layover pays this much, failure to accept tracking will, you know, discount your rate this much. That stuff is extremely important. And I feel like the number one cause of someone filing on a broker's bond is because there's a dispute about a, a rate deduction and the broker says one thing, the carrier says, well, I didn't know that and I never agreed to that. Mm-hmm. And it's really he said, she said at that point. So let me ask you something. Yeah. How, first question, how often do you see them enforced as a matter of practice? The deductions? Rate reductions, yeah, rate reductions. Um, I would say probably less than half the time. I think a lot of brokers will, will list the fees on their rate confirmations to either cover their butt or as a, um, like, hey, this is no joke and this is a serious thing. Almost like a, you know, drawing a line in the sand. Like, here's my expectation. But at the end of the day, the customer doesn't always charge that um, that fee, right? Because let's say they, yeah. they're gonna say, oh, it's $100 if your driver's late. Well, if the driver's two minutes late and they still have to wait an hour anyway because the customer's behind, they're not gonna charge you a, a late fee. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you shouldn't pass, you shouldn't charge a customer or a carrier a fee that's, that you weren't charged. That's usually the line that I had just personally operated under is if I don't incur it, I don't make them pay it. I yeah. mean, I use it more as like kind of the stick as opposed to the carrot. But yes. Yeah, and it should not be a profit center by any means. And I, I have seen a right. lot of dirty I've, brokers do yes. that. That's why I pointed that out. And like, I've heard a lot of that from carriers. And I'm like, to be honest, I'm like, I don't really know anybody that really enforces them unless they get banged. You know, they get yep. dinged for it. Then they pass them along. Yeah. So like, here, here's a good, um, is a rule of thumb that I use. Like, let's say your customer's pissed off. You spent hours trying to get something fixed. The customer doesn't charge you the fee. And you're tempted like, well, it took me three hours of my time. I'm going to deduct the carrier. Just don't use that carrier again. Right? Yeah. You don't have to make a big deal mm-hmm. out of it. Just don't use them again. That's it. Here, here's the next thing. The, the thing you had said before, There's this is a policy that like we do, and I don't know that every TMS has this ability, but it's really just breaking up the process of booking a truck and dispatching a truck as two very separate activities, right? And I think that mitigates a lot of the risk. And then the second thing I'd reiterate is how that is executed that really helps limit that liability, the he said, she said, right? Yes. So for instance, you book, you negotiate, you get the details, truck trailer number, you verify, hey, this is the commodity, no exclusions, great, the dispatcher books it. But again, the dispatcher's probably doing a bunch of other stuff, getting all their trucks booked, right? Now, in a separate process, what I want to know is have that driver call me when he is empty and rolling towards my pickup, right? At which point in time then I have a checklist for every one of my customers and it lists most of what you said, right? So let's say there is, you know, I ship randomly and I have one of these shippers in California. Occasionally they ship frozen super high value seafood. It's not every day. It's not every load, but occasionally it's a $400,000 load of crab legs or whatnot. Yeah. And what we do is we make sure that in that separate process, right, we have the checklist so that we know we are asking that question at dispatch when they are rolling and just confirming, hey, and if it's a flatbed, hey, do you have PP&E? Hey, do you have helmets? Do you have an orange vest? Do you have steel-toed boots, right? Because that's a big one I used to get rejected on. And then when you have the calls recorded, like to be honest, like that's how we were always able to hedge that back. 
because they're always going to say they didn't hear. They're always going to say you owe them the truck order not used. And there's a big back and forth always if they get rejected. And when you've got that checklist and you look at it within your loads and you go, hey, I asked the questions. I know I said it because I checked the box. I think that helps mitigate a lot of these things long before they happen and become problems. And the documentation part. So if you're going to ever change a rate for whatever, send out Mm -hmm. an updated rate confirmation, right? You add Always. a stop, right? Or you take a stop off, or um, there's detention, or layover, or whatever, whatever it is, okay? Send out a new rate confirmation. It can be, usually it's done right in your TMS. You just update the line item on your accounting side, send it back out, it's updated. Um, if you don't have a robust system, document it somehow with your email or whatnot, but it's it, you should really do it inside your TMS, and that's extremely important, and that will prevent the he said, she said, down the road. Well, yeah, and here, the quick, easy fix, if you don't have a TMS that does this, email is every bit as good and can be upheld in court. You just send the change and just ask them to reply confirmed. I save that and then upload it into a file so at least you have a record because guess what? Like, yeah, some of these stuff, these things, like we think we're gonna remember, but we're not talking about remembering until the load's delivered. A lot of these things that come up happen weeks later, sometimes months later, like, oh, a claim or some issue. It doesn't always happen right when it's delivered. Sometimes things are found three, four weeks later, and like, okay, well, what happened? And you look back and you're like, well, I have a Raycon that only has two stops, but yet they stopped at a third one, and that's where this issue happened, and we have no paper trail, and the guy didn't necessarily do what he was supposed to. Now, we don't really have any leg to stand on. Yep, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we, we've talked about communication and documentation over and over, and we we can't, stress it enough and I do I want to reiterate what you said too that booking and dispatching more times than not they are separate activities you might have an owner operator that you talk to that they get dispatched right away um, but that's not always the case and it's not usually the case you might have a dispatcher you talk to and you're booking a truck for the next morning or you're talking to them that morning and you're booking it for an afternoon pickup two different activities and two different individuals involved in it so doing that separate checklist and going through a lot of those items a second time it might take you an extra minute, but it is well worth it to prevent issues down the road. So, good stuff. Um, all right, the next- Factoring. What's that? Ready to round it into factoring? Yeah. You got some more to- Okay, so there's been a lot of, so we had, um, I forget his name. We had him on last year talking factoring with us. Oh, uh, Mac. Mac, yes. From um, Triumph. Yep, Triumph Capital. Triumph Cam- Triumph Capital, right? So, uh, and they're they're one of the big names, right? There's a lot of factoring companies out there, but there is new brokers often have this confusion about what you know. How do I how do I move money through my business? And factoring, uh, if you don't understand what factoring is, at a one-on-one level, you are selling your receivables to somebody else, and they are going to provide your cash flow. Now, let's explain that, okay? When it comes to freight brokering, I'm going to talk about the freight broker side, not the carrier side, because both brokers and carriers can use a factoring company because both brokers and carriers will send invoices. Carriers send them to us as brokers, and then we invoice our customer as a um, you know broker to the, to the actual shipper. So let's look at it from the lens of the freight broker. We'll use a round number here. Let's say you have a, a load that's, uh, it's a $2,000, 
load, right? You're paying, your customer is going to pay you $2,000. Um, you are expected to pay a carrier in 30 days, right? That's pretty much industry standard. Some carriers will want a quick pay where they want to get paid, you know, within a couple days or within a week. Some carriers will also want advances for fuel or for lumpers or whatever because they depend on that money to be able to operate their small business. They can't wait 30 days. Um, so you run into this problem. You have customers that might pay you in 30 to 60 days on average, but you are required to pay your carrier in no less or no more than 30 days. And a lot of times it might be within a week because they want a quick pay and you might have to advance them money after they pick up your load. So you run into a problem here. I don't have cash on hand to do this. So this is where factoring comes in, right? And we've said it before, the goal of factoring is to factor only until you don't have to anymore. And here's why, there's a cost to doing this, right? You're using someone else's money to make your business operate. So typically, and I'm gonna use round numbers here, um, I'm gonna say two to 3%, we'll just use 3% for this example, right? Is what the factoring company will charge you for their services. So let's say you have a $2,000 invoice to your customer and you're going to factor it. What will the factor company do? They will buy your invoice at a discount and we'll just say it's 3%. So 3% of two grand is $60. They're making $60 to do this. And then what will they do? They will advance you the majority of that um, that money, usually within a couple days, like 24 to 48 hours, uh, and they'll usually give you like 95% of it, or 90% of it, or whatever, they're, everyone's different based on their agreement, but again, we'll give you round numbers. We'll say they charge 3% and they're gonna advance you, we'll say 90% of it within 24 to 48 hours. So you're going to get $1,800 advanced to you, and then once that factory company actually invoices your customer on your behalf, they're going to collect that money, and once they receive it, and this might be 45 or 60 days later, then they'll release the rest to you. Again, minus their 3% fee. I know it's a lot of numbers and a lot of stuff there, but um, pull out your calculator, right? So $2,000, they're gonna advance you 1,800, and then the other 140 will come to you like a month or two later. What does that do? That gives you cash on hand to be able to pay your carrier, whether it's in a month or in a day, whenever they need that money, to advance money to your carrier for fuel or for a lumper, um, to pay any other overhead expenses in your business. Um, so that's what factoring does. But again, it comes at a cost. You are giving up 3% of your, your total money, not your profit, but of your total revenue away to somebody else. So if you only operate at a 10% margin, you're already down to 7% in that example. And you don't even have all that money right away because you're waiting for a bunch of it later down the road. Um, so that is how it works in a nutshell. Now, I wanna hit on um, some of the benefits of factoring and then kind of what do you do when you can get away from factoring? So one of the benefits of it, obviously it gives you cash on hand to be able to operate your business. So a lot of new brokers, they don't just have money sitting around to operate their business. They don't all have an investor that's there to have, you know, to, to give them the injection of funds and capital to start their business. So it gives them money right away, quickly. Number two, the factoring company is going to run a credit check on your customer. They're going to tell you how much your customer is worthy of being extended credit. This can be good or bad, right? You might think, oh great, they do all the work for me. Well, some factoring companies might have you know, a history with a certain shipper and just say, nope, no credit. 
we've been burned before, we're not doing it. Whereas if you, you know, do your own credit vetting, you might subjectively have a different decision. Um, but that's a benefit as well. Um, do you have anything else on the on the factoring side? I kind of want to get into like the line of credit part to to expand on. But do you have any other benefits or uh, cautionary tales when it comes to factoring? No, I mean, I mean, it adds another layer. So there's always another aspect of sometimes things get mistaken or there's cost. I'd say the only thing you didn't really cover is the time at which your invoices are outstanding is usually no pun intended, factored in to the cost you pay for that money. So for instance, like it's yes. pretty common that like if it's out 30 days, you get charged 0.001 basis points, right? Like every day it's outstanding until usually it reaches a certain point where like you could even have a charge back where they like literally make you write a check because they have not gotten paid by your yep. customer. So there are two like the time does play into like what that actual cost is as well. But again, every agreement is different based on your organization, yeah. your credit worthiness, your customer's credit worthiness, your length in business, all of these things come into play. Yeah, I mean, think think about this, right? Um, similar to like a credit card, right? If, if you pay, you know, in three months versus if you pay in a month, there's a way different uh, structure of the fees Interest associated cost. with doing yeah. that. And the factoring companies, that's how they look at it, right? A lot of them will say, well, our, our fee is 3%, you know, well, maybe it's between, you know, two and 5%. It's 5% on these customers that pay in 60 days. It's only two and a half percent on those that pay in 30 days, right? Because the cost for them to float in front of you money is higher when the customer pays slower and it takes them longer to get paid. So you're gonna, you're going to be the one that eats that cost. They're essentially acting as the bank. Um, so yeah, those are the things you should definitely ask when you're when you're looking at factoring companies. Um, we've had people ask us who they should use as a new broker. We don't have like a, a I guess like a preferred vendor when it comes to factoring. A, a lot of the bigger ones, they won't touch you when you're brand new. So you're gonna have to get old school and build some connections and establish rapport and get that, put that sales hat on and um, really explain and convince somebody why you're worthy of them taking you on as a brand new customer, right? Or a, as a new a guy, brokerage to factor for. Yeah, and if you, any of you are in members in our Facebook group, I'm sure most of you guys are, um, there's a guy in there, Travis Hodges with Axel, and you'll see we kind of put his name out there quite a bit for newer brokers, because he is a good fit usually for people within their first year. But again, the reason we don't just promote one is because there's such a varying degree of sizes, credit worthiness within companies, and who's a good fit. You just need to understand more than just who is the one that I should pick. Yep. So the next thing I want to I want to roll that into is you know like we said the goal of factoring is to to use it until you can get away from it right because three percent or four or five percent that's a lot of money that comes off your off the top you know the top line which top directly line. impacts your take your your profit at the end of the day so what a lot of folks will do is when they when they factor enough and they get enough business and. Another thing too I should mention that factoring is good for is that it'll allow you to grow at a rapid pace, right? You're not you're not constrained by cash flow, uh, but again the costs. So when you get to a point where you're where you're um, sufficient to cash, you have enough cash on hand, cash in the bank, and you've got enough time under your belt and uh, proof of concept is hey, I've got paying customers, I've got regular business. A lot of folks then will move to a line of credit scenario where they can go to a bank 
and again, I'm gonna generalize it. They can go to a bank, show them, here's my books for the last 12 months. My I've been using a factoring company, but my customers have been paying regularly. I've been doing this regular business. I'm growing, I'm on the upward trajectory. And at a much cheaper rate, they can get a revolving line of credit. And we talk about this a lot in the Freight Broker Basics module on uh, accounting and cash flow. But the line of credit is, it's kind of, I mean, if, in a nutshell, it's kind of like a credit card. It's a revolving line of credit. So you will pay interest on outstanding money that you're borrowing from the bank. Um, and the longer it's there, the more interest you're going to pay on it, right? Um, the goal eventually is to not even do that and just have enough. And this is like the golden model, right? Which a lot of um, companies never get to, most don't ever get to, is where you just have enough enough good cash flow yourself and enough money in the bank where you don't have to pay anybody any interest to float your business, right? You either have customers that are paying quick enough to support the rest of your business, or you have enough cash on hand to bridge that gap between when the average customer pays and when the average truck is paid. Um, so factoring, then you move to the line of credit, and then you move to self-sustained cash flow. Um, some people are anti-debt and they never wanna go that route, while other people love the OPM, right? Use other people's money to, to make money type thing. It's all about your level of risk tolerance and what you're comfortable with and your ethics and, you know, it's, there's pros and cons to any which way you want to look at it, but that is factoring in a nutshell. Um, that that isn't inherently good or bad. It's like a hammer or a screwdriver. It's a tool, and what you use it for is, and how you use it is what's going to determine the outcome or the result. Absolutely, and I want to give you an example, right? And so let's look at this. Like some people are anti um, anti credit card, and they because they had a bad history with abusing credit cards, right? Yeah. We have personally talked to brokers that abused factoring, right? They got all their money in and they were spending it on stuff they didn't need to, right? They were taking home too much money or whatever. Next thing you know, they're using their fact their money today to pay carriers from 30 days ago. And that is a really, really bad thing to get into. And factoring, if, you, if you're not responsible, can get you into that trouble. So I think that's worth spending at least a couple moments to just explain that is like probably one of the hardest things to get out of once you get into that habit and it should just never be happening in the first place, right? Which is, and I wanna reiterate what Nate just said, right? It's when you are factoring money, right? What happens is, is sometimes companies are like not saving enough cash or they're not operating profitably enough, right? So what they're doing is they're running more loads and then when they get factor money from the next load, they're paying an older load instead of the load that they just factored, right? So they're basically taking too much cash out of the business and they're, they become not only reliant, but solely reliant on next week's business to pay this week's bills. Yeah. And that's a revolving, it's like a revolving level of hell that like you is very difficult to get out of because unless you pull a big customer, there's like very few things you can do other than to go grow bigger than you are to actually fix that. Think about this, man. Go back to the beginning of the pandemic two years ago, right? If you're if you're the person that was operating where you're using your your factored money from today to pay carriers from last month, and all of a sudden your shippers all shut down, or even if you just have a, a slow week or two weeks. Or pause, two weeks of just. You're not gonna have yeah. any money coming in from the factoring company to even pay those carriers. So now you're 40, 45 days behind. It's just, it's a really bad habit to get into. I think the, the right way to do it, if you're gonna use a factoring company is, as a new broker, is 
to um, just quick pay all your carriers or pay them very quickly so you can build a credit history. So when a carrier or their factoring company, which is a different conversation, but when they vet you out and they say, hey, is this broker paying their bills on time? Yes, they're paying carriers in 14 or 21 days, right? Not, uh, they're 35, they're 38, they're 40, you know, they're past due 60 days on some of these. You can get yourself into a mess. Use it to put yourself in a better position and don't be, you know, ooh, I got this money that I don't have to pay just yet, so yeah. let me go use it on this instead, right? And we've, mm -hmm. we, like I said, we've personally talked to brokers that have gotten themselves into a mess like that. Uh, now, hey, you are a W-2 or an agent. This is not applicable to you. The broker that you work for or that you're licensed under or uh, contracted with, they, they're in charge of cash flow. So this is not something that you have to deal with, but you should understand the process either way. But here's the, and here's the big thing, and, it, and it's just a principle in finance that you should have the money aligned with either the asset or the expense, right? And all that really means is, if you are paying for an operating expense, something that is ongoing, right? You should be using like a line of credit because it's built to pay for that. As you get the money generated from the expense, you pay it on the line of credit and it revolves, right? That's why you only pay interest on what is outstanding. If you are buying a fixed asset, like even a truck or a building or computer, right? you have a permanent loan on it and then you're able to depreciate it and then you make installment payments all the way until it's paid off. Like you think of your car loan, right? You would never wanna use a credit card to pay on off your car because why? The way the interest is structured would literally crush you. You would never be able to pay that car off before the car was worthless. So yep. you always wanna make sure you're either speaking with I don't know, your banker, a financial advisor. When you're going to source capital, it needs to be aligned with what its uses in your business. And why factoring is really so useful and so valuable in the industry is, it is really perfectly aligned with the way freight brokers do business. The risk is that when they give you the money, to Nate's point, you then have the diligence or the, I don't know, like the self-control to hold it there and to wait and to pay it back out to the expense that was incurred that generated it, right? Yep. That specific load, that driver. Yep, absolutely. So there's your there's your answer on factoring. Um, this is all this is the stuff, man. That when you're when you're new in this business, people think, oh, I, I know transportation, I know how to broker, but running a business involves a lot more than you know booking a truck and treating your customers right. It involves management, account management, you know, uh, financial management, all kinds of stuff. It does, and I, and I don't want to just leave it at that. I wanted to give people, because I know out there, like, it's not always that simple, right? Like, not everybody is doing this intentionally ends up in that position. For instance, like, sometimes, like, something just goes wrong, and we know that, like, small businesses and newer brokerages, they're basically like a personal financing of this business, right? They're intertwined. Like, what happens in your personal life sometimes affects the business, right? Like maybe you do have an unexpected family expense and you're like, I don't know how else to pay for this, right? That's the time that instead of just going and grabbing this out, I would first literally go to your local bank, go to your business banker, explain the situation. They are built to literally help you find the right solution to that. Don't just jump to grab this because you might end up creating two or three more problems for yourself. Yep, go sit with your banker, right? 
find yeah, out if you, you maybe you get an installment loan, maybe you can get a business revolving line of credit, maybe you can get a business revolving line of credit tied to your house so that it can get you through this little tough time without jeopardizing everything you've built professionally. Yeah, you're, you're, the money from your customer's invoice, priority number one is to use that those funds to pay the carrier that hauled the load. It's not to go buy a steak dinner, not to go on vacation, not to give yourself a raise and make more money that week. It's not to go buy a new iPhone. Business expenses need to be, you know, business funds need to be used for business expenses. And whatever's left over, that is your profit and that is how you pay yourself. So that's uh, rant over, at least for me. <laughs> well, honestly, and I think that's a good point because where my mind was going was the business owners that own a building and they're like, well, hey, my furnace broke and I need to pay for it. And it is a business, right? Like still again, like that factoring money should go right to pay that truck. What is left over then could pay for that furnace. So if that still needs done today, that's when you should be going to the bank and finding out a way to get the right financing for the right aspect of your business. That's an yep. asset, like that's part of your real estate. You wanna make sure you're not commingling these things because it will create a world of problems later. Agreed. Good stuff. We talked Ukraine, we talked uh, the dispatch checklist, additional items, and we talked financing and factoring, man. That was a good, this is a packed episode. We got through a lot of content. You got um, any anything we missed here? I think we've covered literally just about everything. I mean, from world affairs all the way down to their impacts on day-to-day life and small businesses. Yeah. I think, I mean, just wrapping up with, you know, what I was talking about a little bit. I mean, obviously it's dear to my heart, to my family, but if you haven't and you wanted to donate trucking and logistics professionals for Ukraine, we're going to have a link in the show notes. And then we will have a link to our personal GoFundMe page that we're literally volunteering our time and distributing these things. So if you do want to help and you want to support the show in any way, this would be a great way to support an effort that is near and dear to our hearts. Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, any final thoughts here, Mr. Kowalski? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, Obill. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the contact us form on our site and we'll see you next week.